Welcome to episode four of the Swift Teacher Podcast. One lesson at a time towards Swift World Domination. Joining us today is Daniel Budd. Daniel is the Director of Learning Technologies at Corpus Christi College and Apple Distinguished School in Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished Educator, Daniel is actively involved in research projects that focused on STEM education, robotics, information systems, big data, and design thinking. Daniel's career began in web development and design for learning, Australian marketing and advertising firms. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Brian. How are you? I should, I guess I should say good morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's fairly early over here. I think we're in about the worst time zone that can be. <laughs> and before we get started, I guess uh, since we're both ADEs, I know I would like to say welcome to the ADE class of 2017. I look forward to meeting you in Houston this summer. And is there anything you'd like to say to your new Yeah, w- welcome to the new community. We'll be, we'll be having our institute over in Melbourne this year, which will be exciting. Right. So, Daniel, you and I were fortunate enough to meet last year at WWDC. We were uh, given teacher scholarships, so we got to travel over and meet and learn a bunch of great things about Swift. But uh, why don't you tell everybody about a little bit about yourself? So, um, as you mentioned, I'm an Apple Distinguished Educator, and I um, started my career out in web development and uh, graphic design. So I've got a big sort of, um, uh, I suppose, development background um, in industry. And then I moved into into teaching probably about seven years ago. Um, I saw a bit of a, a need for for uh, good computer science teachers. Um, I, had a, I was very fortunate to have a good computing teacher, uh, who in fact I actually uh, replaced in my most current job. Um, but I, I saw a bit of a disparity there with uh, with, with quality computer science teachers. So um, that was sort of something I thought I could throw myself into and um, develop my career a little bit more. Oh, that's interesting. I was listening to a recent podcast, uh, out of school podcast, Fraser's, one of Fraser's podcasts, and he had on somebody from Mobile Makers, and she was saying that uh, she finds it easier to teach teachers how to code than to teach coders how to teach. But you've obviously had the opposite experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose, I suppose the thing I liked about that that teacher was they let me let me explore and let me. Um, find my own passions in, in uh, information technology rather than giving a structured sort of lesson. Um, and I think that's, that's quite true at the moment with the, with the internet the way it is and, and tools like YouTube. Uh, people can publish and there's so much content out there. So it's more about the curating for the students than it is the direct instruction and, uh, and sort of wielding them into the, the ways of a programmer. So specifically, what are you teaching now at your school? So I'm, I'm teaching a course called Digital Thinking. So the idea of that course, it, it, it matches with the new Australian curriculum, which becomes mandatory in 2018 um, under Digital Technologies. Uh, and it's basically the idea of it is to, to give students the fundamental skills in, in computational thinking and algorithmic thinking, but to really to make it, make it fun, get students to understand the concepts, to get them to to actually explore coding and, and see that it's not quite the beast that they, they sort of build up in their own heads. So it's a, really, it's a pathway into computer science. That's fantastic. And that is mandatory by uh, Australian, the Australian government? So, so we'll be in, in 2018 in, in 
uh, Western Australia. We have this uh, Australian curriculum, but then each of the states sort of uh, do their own thing with it. So in Queensland and Victoria, it's 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 already mandatory, and WA will be will be the last one probably to make it uh, make it mandatory. And for but, our but within and within our, our school within our school, we've made it mandatory. Okay, great. So for our American audience, WA is Western Australia. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's wow. That's fantastic that you guys have that. It's uh, very disparate in the United States as to all the different languages being taught. And even though Swift is one of the top 10 up and coming languages, it's still not widely taught in the US, but it's but it's gaining quickly. So how did, or really, let me ask, what was your journey to teaching coding since you started out in web and app development or um, web development? So I've always uh, sort of mentioned before, I've, I've always been quite goal orientated. So uh, I was getting a little bit frustrated within web development with a lack of understanding from clients about the basic computing. So I saw a need for, for education in that space. Um, and as I mentioned before about um, my sort of experience within within IT and, and speaking to younger cousins about their experience in, in, in schooling as it was at, uh, at a current time, I saw there was a real need to, to get students um, to learn about uh, development and what what they could do with the computer rather than just creating PowerPoints and, and doing a little bit of web research. So I thought that um, I could impact the lives, I suppose, a bit naively of, uh, of uh, students for the future. And I suppose it's within my little smaller community, but um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was something a bit more powerful rather than it being a bit more commercially driven through web development and graphic design. So you felt almost like a calling to, I have this knowledge and I want to share it with others. Yeah, correct. Correct. Well, that's, that's, I think that's the path that many teachers take regardless of where they start. I know I teach in, uh, my school is a career and technical school in the U S and all of our teachers that teach a skill like the Mike that I co-teach with, he started out in web development and he had that same, that same feeling. So I think that's probably, probably a pretty common experience. Yeah. So, so in teaching coding, what is your favorite part? So I really enjoy uh, developing of the resources. I think, um, like in advertising, content's king. So, so I think um, the, the power to to develop some really engaging content that the students can really sink their teeth into and and allow me to get to know the students individually. So if I can if I can create content which will scaffold the students, allow them to explore and ask intelligent questions throughout the process, I think that's that's sort of where my passion lies within uh, within teaching coding. And that I have seen that engaging content. Uh, you've actually authored what I think is quite a bit of uh, Swift learning materials. And can you tell us about what the experience was like? <laughs> so I was, uh, as you mentioned, I was at WWDC when they when they released uh, Swift Playgrounds, and I thought that was pretty uh, exciting. Our, our current administration, when I was at my previous school, was trying to reduce the amount of labs and see how we could move the students towards uh, iPads as a as a sole device, which is probably quite progressive for most schools. Um, so. When I saw Swift Playgrounds and I saw the capabilities within within the application that you could access all these libraries, I was quite excited. But yeah, it was, it was a bit of a different different sort of experience. When I, was, I really wanted to develop this um, this course material, and uh, with Swift three still in beta and the the app still in beta, it was um, a long process of of airdropping playground books across and 
um, yeah, developing, developing this course material. So you mentioned playground books, just for everybody out there. Mm -hmm. If you're going to author content, if you're teaching and you're thinking about authoring content, there are two kinds of things. The Swift Playgrounds app uses a playground book file, uh, which is accessible on Apple's developer site, a blank one. And then you can just create plain or regular playground files on a Mac, and it'll also run on an iPad. So you've created those playground books, which I looked, took a look at, and holy cow, does it look complicated. So did you find it difficult to work within the books? I mean, I really like the layout, and I like that the students are then restricted to very small areas they have to code, but was it as onerous as it seems? I suppose once you sort of break it down, and now the documentation has, has got a lot better online and it explains the structure of the books um, a bit more, it, it, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, it, 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 yeah, it's not as daunting as it sort of looks, and a lot of the, the text and, and things like that are just, just a, a markdown variation, so it's just a sort of a markup language. Uh, and then you can also develop in these, these cutscenes as well, which allow you to um, integrate JavaScript to, to animate and explain larger concepts. So, um, so I suppose where I, feature, uh, where I sort of try to focus on my content, when I was um, first teaching, um, I used Python, and I was using Python Turtle as a way to explain how we can go from sequential steps to, to loops. So what I really wanted to do was to, to develop a, a turtle-type simulation uh, within playground books and I was able to do that through uh, through SpriteKit which is the the main sort of um, engine used to to create games and create basic simple steps for students to to draw geometrical shapes so it's quite exciting oh yeah that is exciting what tools are you using uh, to teach coding in your classroom so I, I use my, my Swift Playground uh, book as a part of the digital thinking course. We also have a unit where they uh, utilize the Learn to Code materials, which are, are Apple's um, courses which have been, been created as a sort of demo. And those are fantastic as well because I've been able to get teachers who, who aren't computer science teachers to uh, run the classes. I'm, I'm only one person, so I can't do the full spread across uh, all the classes. So it's allowed me to sort of mentor teachers and allow them to uh, run the classes with a bit of confidence with that the supported materials. And then in the, the older years, we, um, we are exploring uh, app development as a, as a more holistic um, approach. The problem being uh, at this school that I'm currently at, uh, we didn't have too much computer science being taught. Um, so it, we're still sort of scaffolding and, and building up the schools uh, uh, within the students um, to have a, a base, level, base level knowledge. So right now you're really focusing on the lower levels, the younger students, and are those students using um, iPad and Swift Playgrounds to learn Swift? Yeah, so so I'm focusing a lot of my time in those lower years and building from the from the bottom up, um, and they're they're working solely on their on their iPads. And do you have any? Uh, we would call them high school students, probably year eight, year nine, year ten students. Do they do anything with the Mac? Yeah, so so in year nine, um, they start to look at app development. So I developed a couple of other courses which sort of try and bridge the gap. Uh, one of them is a, a blackjack game, which is uses UIKit, which is the main library which um, uh, allows you to create interfaces and buttons and things like that. And I've also created another one called Sprite Invaders, which is a little space invaders game which uses SpriteKit, and that's the main one used for developing 
uh, games. So the idea being that we can sort of bridge across into uh, the world of Xcode and, and get students at first building a, a single view application and then stemming from there to develop their own apps. Have, have you looked at any of the intro to app development or any of the Apple courses for Mac? Yeah, so we, we use that in the in the first term of the year nine course, uh, just as a way to, to move them through into the app development. It's um, yeah a good way to move from the playgrounds into uh, into the apps. Yeah, I, I I use that with my senior level students, the intro to app mm -hmm. development. And what I've found is this is their first year, my 11th grade. So year 11 students are doing the iPad and none of them have had hardly any introduction to coding or computer science before they come to our school. And what I'm seeing is that, that there's really a good correlation that Apple did a really good job in that code completion bar on the iPad is very similar to code completion that you get on the Mac. And that has been mm. very helpful. I'll be interested to see how my juniors transition to that next year as seniors. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, the, the core sort of um, approach with, with all this coding is it's, it's about the earlier you introduce them, the, the easier sort of the transition is. Um, previously in my other school, I was uh, we had prep school as well, uh, primary school as well. And um, I was teaching the same course in year four that I was in year nine. And it was the same concepts. It was functions. It was loops. Um, and it was just about the students um, being introduced to the concepts, not the, the complexity of the concepts. So you're in Australia. You're in Western Australia. But you recently attended a Swift Roundtable in Sydney. Is that in Eastern Australia? Yes, that's, that's on the east coast of Australia. Okay, can so you a little bit, a little, bit, a little bit closer to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, can you tell us about the roundtable? I find this fascinating because it, this is not something that we have in the U.S. So I'm really interested in about what what happened. Yeah, so it's it a great initiative. It's um, it's basically to get uh, computer science teachers together who are who are teaching Swift, and the, the teachers were all different stages, obviously, because Swift is quite new. So some of them were doing a lot of Java or a lot of a lot of Python, and have just started to to dip their toes into into Swift. Um, and the idea was for all of us to get together and start talking about the the issues we're having, um, the the curriculum issues, the staffing issues, the uh, project issues, and then sort of look at how we can build a community around this to um, to solve some of the problems. So it was, yeah, really really good initiative. It was great fun. Wow, that sounds awesome. Uh, mm. That would be really great to to have something like that here in the U.S. at least or even regionally. I might have to. Yeah, yeah might have yeah, to talk yeah. to somebody about that in Houston this summer. Yeah, it was great. I managed to to catch up with uh, Chris Robinson as well, who's in Adelaide in South Australia, uh, and he was came over uh, to WWDC with us as well. So it was great to catch up with him. Uh, we don't tend to see each other being in different states very often, so it's great to explore where he's come since since WWDC. Yes, a special shout out to Chris. Uh, I see that he was uh, chosen as. An Apple Distinguished Educator Class of 2017. Congratulations, Chris. It's great to have yeah. you as part of the community. It's fantastic. So, so I suppose um, the other thing that came out um, from from that, we had a, a couple of schools that were all boys' schools. We had a couple of the all girls' schools. 
students. Um, and what really came about is once these once these students have these fundamental uh, skills is to develop real meaningful projects, something which they can sink their teeth into. And I think that's where design thinking can really come in, is to develop projects which have a stimulus and can get students thinking about real-world problems which they can actually solve with, with applications. Have you ever... Um spoken to or uh, seen the work of uh, Douglas Kiang Kiang he no, is no, a, I no. he's an Apple distinguished educator from Punahou Academy in Hawaii and he has a bunch of materials on design thinking and he was on the pod uh, on episode 2 and we talked a little bit about design thinking and he talks about that as being the first and most important thing. So that's interesting that two different parts of the world, well, I guess you guys, that's got to be the closest to Australia, right? In Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that that design thinking is really important. I That's something I think I need to step up my game on. Yeah, yeah. But I think um, the, the students still need the, the fundamental, fundamental skills to have a, a context for how they would actually develop it. Otherwise, this, it's a very far-fetched sort of idea and they can do the interface design and explore those concepts, but unless they can actually build it or understand how they might try and approach it um, and, and build on their skills, I think that's the that's the real challenge. Yes, yes, to get past the storyboarding, it is. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're teaching, how long have you been teaching Swift now? Is this your first year? You're finishing your first uh, so this is this is my second year, second year teaching Swift. Okay, how does the Swift Playgrounds app and the app development with Swift? I'm sorry, Apple changed the name. The intro to app development with Swift <laughs> course compare to the other tools you have previously used. So previously, I've used um, I've taught Python and uh, VB.NET and Java and yeah, a lot of other sort of subjects. And I suppose the real comparison would be. Visual Studio, and there's no real comparison um, with with uh, Xcode. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, IDE, and um, the the support materials, as I mentioned, are fantastic for getting new teachers on board. Um, I suppose the real sort of gem in in uh, Xcode is the the storyboarding features and and uh, the auto layout, the ability to to scale um, your applications for different sized um, devices is yeah, really powerful, and it saves saves you a lot of coding. <laughs> Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> I, I know that uh, the Xcode materials are great. What do you think of Swift Playgrounds? I mean, I, when I use it, my students love it. They're completely engaged in the material. We're almost done with Learn to Code 3. And as soon as I introduce the lesson and let them go, they, it's quiet because they're working. Yeah, yeah. So I recently brought um, one of my uh, one of the ladies here who's, who's trained to be a teacher. I brought her into my classroom just to check it out. Cause she's doing her observations, and um, she was amazed at how engaged the students were. She said all of them are on task. All of them are, you know, are uh, interested in what they're doing. And there was a big sigh at the end of the class when they then have to trudge off to maths or English or wherever they were off to. So I think it, it's it's fantastic as a as an introduction. And um, while we don't want all the kids to to eventually be app developers, we realize that's not a pathway for everyone. It is a pathway. Uh, that's what's exciting about Swift is it's a pathway from the fundamentals all the way up to uh, eventual publishing and, and being an app developer. And they don't have to wait until university for that. They can do it right now. Yes, that's 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 a good point. Now you've mentioned you just mentioned that you taught some Java, you taught some VB.net. How does Swift compare to those languages in 
approachability to teaching? Like how easy was it for you to pick up and start teaching Swift compared to those other languages? Well, I sort of I'd always describe Swift as a, a mix between Python and, and C++. I suppose it's still got that little bit of legacy of Objective-C in there. Um, but it's a very simple, readable language. And with Swift uh, 3.0, it's um, improved that even more, where you can almost read it as, a, as an English sort of uh, uh, lesson um, and sentence structure. So I think it's a, it's a very approachable language. And because it's open source, the amount of uh, people sharing and developing resources and you know, sites like Stack Overflow, which are a uh, a Bible for any developer with a problem. Um, it's, it's it's fantastic to see how much people are sharing. Um, and with sub, uh, languages like VB.net, you just don't get that same amount of sharing. It becomes very proprietary and and hidden behind walls. That's what I that's what I've seen. And and when I talk to people who have said, "Well, why are you teaching Swift?" I'm like, "Well, our students are at the perfect time to be learning and de- helping develop this emerging language, and it's open source." So our students can learn, like right now I'm learning um, server-side Swift. Mm. And uh, to be able to do the full stack development, you know, do it on both ends, client and server, that's, I think that's really powerful and opens up a lot of doors for our students. Yeah, and I think um, Apple's really put themselves in a, a fantastic position because um, the the rate of adoption of, of this of this product is oh, it's obviously doing wonders for their their uh, sales, but it's um, yeah fantastic the community they're building around this language. It's yeah, it's great. Yeah, the community is it's really powerful. It's really mm-hmm. uh, something that's really going to help the language develop very very quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What has been the most surprising to you in teaching Swift? Well, I, I suppose that is that's it. It's that that community and the community of educators, people getting around and uh, and helping. Um, I mean, Google um, really um, uh, promotes Python and 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 develops a lot there, but they're they're not sort of um, developing these communities in the way that that Apple is and, and and creating these opportunities. You know, like WWDC, when you go to these places and you. You meet all these uh, passionate teachers and students and um, university students as well who are who are developing these apps and sharing, willing to to publish their work to to GitHub and um, you know online repositories where you can share and um, explore and build upon their work is yeah it's fantastic. So what Daniel's referring to for anybody who doesn't know, Apple offers last year it was three hundred fifty scholarships to students. The youngest mm-hmm. young lady was nine, and. Mm-hmm. They, they bring them out, they give them a full week at WWDC, and they can sit in any session and learn with the professional developers. So that's, it's the community, they, and the last year they brought us out so we could share with one another, uh, about 55 teachers. It was really fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And they get everyone from, you know, all corners of the world and they make sure that, you know, money's not the thing which, which slows them down and yeah, it gets everyone involved. It's, it's yeah, not about from where you are. It's a, about what your your passions are and what you're building, and I saw this year they're actually um, getting people to develop uh, some playgrounds. So you can see that um, it's a real sort of focus, and they they'd like people to have a have a bit more of a play and build some resources there. Yeah, I thought that was a really good move to move the mm. scholarships to playgrounds because now you're opening up to you don't have to have a Mac; you can have an iPad and earn a scholarship. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. a great great move yeah. by them. That's yeah, great. How have your students responded to learning Swift? So, 
um, the, the big push, I suppose, now wasn't an all boys school, uh, and now I've moved to a co-ed model. So I'm interested to see uh, how the success of compulsory coding will uh, move in a, in a co-ed environment, uh, pushing the same model. Um, but I suppose um, what I get frustrated with is when you hear people who are under 30 saying that they're they're not good at computers, as if it's something which has been um, born with them. And I suppose we're to blame uh, with pushing the, the idea of digital natives, uh, where most of the students are actually digitally naive, um, where they can, they can browse the web quite successfully. But, but thinking that they're poor at technology at such a young age is, is quite scary because it's, it's, uh, it's so learned, it's something you need to, to, to spend time on. And the amount of time I've spent to continually learn, you know, Swift was, wasn't invented two years ago and I didn't learn Python in university and yeah, so I think um, seeing the students move from that space where they say they're, they're terrible at computing or they're not good at coding into a space where they're comfortable and confident, um, digitally confident, I suppose, is the, the term I'd, I'd coin on that one, um, is, too, is really exciting. It's, it's fantastic. Digitally confident. I like that. Uh, I might have to borrow that. I know. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> we've I've had some similar discussions with colleagues of mine when we deployed our iPad one to one program a few years ago. You know, some teachers did have the assumption that all these students, well, all these students, grew up with uh, this technology. They should be good at it. And one, my one very astute colleague said, "Well, they're good at the social stuff, but we can't assume mm -hmm. they're good at everything else." And I've, I, I tell my students, and I started telling them this when I was still teaching math, you know, there are three kinds of people in the world. People who are really good at technology, then there are people who pay those people who are good at technology, and then there's the, the people who create software for the first two groups, yeah. <laughs> and they're the ones who are really doing well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have, this is your second year of your journey. Um, this is the second year of mine that I've been teaching Swift. What suggestions do you have to any other teacher or school district that is might be considering starting to teach coding or programming with Swift? So as, as I mentioned before about um, the, the two different year groups um, learning the, the same material, my, my suggestion would be start young. Start as young as you can. Uh, you know, fight your administration to get some time with these students. Um, I, I've tried to develop some resources so that... Um, maths teachers can can see how how coding you know, essentially is maths it allows us such a smooth integration and there's lots of talk about stem but maths is where it fits authentically um, i've had debates with um, some ict integrators saying how can we get um you know kids coding in in english you know where's that link so why why are you fighting in english when you can you can code in maths so authentically um, so I've developed these materials, and the hope is um, I can try and get some teachers on board to to develop um, uh, courses surrounding um, Swift in in maths lessons because I, I can see that's a real authentic place that we can get kids doing more. Um, I've also developed a couple of iBooks as well um, to help uh, teachers um, in this space. So there's one which is probability with Swift. Uh, and that assumes a basic knowledge of Swift, but then applies um, Swift to, to graph data in, in games of chance. So that sort of links to our, our maths curriculum. And I suppose the thing, um, the message here is I'm not a maths teacher. I, I consult with maths teachers to make sure I use the correct terminology. Um, but if I, can, if I can develop these resources for maths teachers, then surely the maths teachers can, can look at a little bit of code. So start young was the summary of that rambling. 
<laughs> yes, right. Start them young. All right. Well, I think we've reached the end of our Swift talk, but mm-hmm. one of the values I get in, and one of the reasons why I started this podcast was I listen to a lot of podcasts on my drive to and from work. I have about a 45 minute drive each way. And some of the best professional development I've ever gotten is from listening to podcasts. So Daniel, let me ask you, what are your favorite podcasts? Okay. Well, so as I'm in a similar situation, I've got about a 45 minute drive each way for, uh coming to work so um yeah podcasts and and uh, uh audio books are, are my life at the moment uh, commercial radio gets pretty tiresome pretty quick so leading change is a, is a new australian podcast which is um talking to a lot of um ade schools and um leaders within schools who have really driven change and changed um schools towards um digital literacy and um, yeah, I suppose that digital confidence within staff and students. So that's a that's a great new one and they speak to people like principals of um, St. Hilda's over on the Gold Coast in, in Australia and talk about how they've got iTunes U operating throughout their staff and things like that. So that's, that's a great new uh, podcast. Uh, I also listen to The Usuals, which I know you listen to, like Kelly's Wide Educator, and I heard you speak on there a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago. Uh, also, Phrases Out of School... Uh, uh, Sorry, Fraser's um, uh, podcast as well on cameras and connected, um, BBC Click and things like that for the trends and um, yeah, upcoming things. But I'd, I'd like to see a lot more podcasts, really. I think um, this is a great space that could be explored by teachers who love to talk and love to chat and connect everyone across the world. It's a yeah, great medium. It is. So did you, did you listen to ATP, the Accidental Tech Podcast? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. Do you do hear episode 205, People Don't Use the Weird Parts, where Chris Latner was interviewed? I don't think I've got to that one yet. Oh, uh, that, yeah. Ca- catching up on a couple of other new ones. <laughs> yeah, that was January 18th. That is a definite listen to. Okay. It was interesting. He talked about how Swift got started. And um, my tagline I stole from him, Swift World Domination. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was, I don't know if that was an internal Apple thing or his, but. You know, in the true teacher fashion, I'm going to go ahead and borrow it. Uh, yeah. So those are those are some great suggestions. Uh, our fellow ADE, uh, Kelly Croy, from fellow Buckeye, just a couple hours down the road <laughs> from me. His Wired Educator podcast is a must for any teacher. And then uh, Fraser Spears, his Out of School and Canvas are fantastic mm-hmm. ones also for teachers. And Connected is also one of my favorites. Um, but mm-hmm. I the leading change... I'm going to have to check that out. That is one I had not heard of. And we have a group of teachers in my uh, district, and we sit down Tuesday mornings and listen to a podcast before school and then have a discussion about that. So we're going to check that out. That's great. Yeah. All right, Daniel, where can people find you and your work online? Okay, so I'm, I'm fairly active on Twitter. So my uh, handle is Daniel B. Bud, B-U-D-D, on Twitter. Uh, I've also got a website, danielbud.com.au, and I've just switched that over to Squarespace. So I'm still merging the content across, but it's uh, exciting. Uh, also on iTunes U, you can search uh, Swift Playgrounds and see my, my courses up there. So Geometry, Swift Playgrounds, Sprite uh, Invaders, and also Blackjack. Uh, and in the iBook store, if you search uh, my name, Daniel Budd, you'll be able to find uh, lots of um, resources and iBooks I've, I've made for various subject areas and, and developed with teachers. All right. And I will make sure I have all of those in the show notes. Uh, if you're looking for those show notes online, you can find them over at 
swiftteacher.org. And on Twitter, if you're looking for me, you can find me. I'm at B Foudy, F-O-U-T-T-Y. Or you can find the podcast at, uh, at underscore Swift Teacher. Daniel, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to join us today. I really appreciate it. It was a great discussion. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much, Brian. Time to get Swifty. Swifty. 